Deadbeat Scroll by Mark Coggins is slick, sardonic, and suspenseful. Everything a great thriller should be, says New York Times bestselling author Lee Child. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 18 Sing a Tong of Six Gents I was very careful leaving the Post Street apartment the next morning. I made it all the way to the intersection with Leavenworth without being shot at, but I let my guard down too soon. As I stepped off the curb, a stretch hummer with tinted windows appeared out of nowhere and blocked my path. The door closest to me burst open, and two Asian light heavyweights tumbled out. If I hadn't spent an anxious night imagining worst-case scenarios for Angelina, I might have had the energy and presence of mind to avoid being scooped up. As it was, each man grabbed an arm and shoved me headfirst into the Hummer. I landed on one of the bench seats next to a cool customer with swept-back hair and oversized black-rimmed glasses. He looked to be in his mid-forties. The first of my kidnappers piled in next to me, and the other took a spot by the two guys in front. A sixth guy behind me touched the back of my neck with something pointy and metallic that I had to assume was a knife. The cool cat with the glasses murmured an order in Chinese, and we pulled away from the curb. This is nice, I said, but I didn't order an Uber. You don't order an Uber said the guy with the glasses. You use an app. I knew that. But speaking of transport, perhaps you'll recognize the car. It's been a long time since my senior prom. Very funny, Reardon. This is Squid Boy's old limo. I had known they were Wohop Toe the moment they pulled up. I vaguely remembered that Squid Boy the former leader of the gang I had killed in a one-on-one fight, had his gigantic ass ferried around in a Hummer. Mr. Squid never gave me a ride. That is fortunate. They tended to be one way. I imagine. Are you here to give me the ride I never had? He looked away from me and smoothed the lapel of his charcoal worsted suit. No, I am not. As it happens, I and the rest of our organization benefited greatly from Squid Boy's removal. And you are... You can call me Mr. Wong. From what I understand about Chinese names, that's like calling you Mr. Smith. You took over the gang from Squid Boy? We are not a gang. We are a benevolent association but you took over. Yes, I have the honor of leading the association. And one of the changes I made was to put us on a more business-like footing and avoid some of the unnecessary flash and attention Squid Boy generated. This limo is about as subtle as an open casket. Wong shrugged. It's a sunk cost. 
that has several more years to amortize. But you've had some other write-downs recently, haven't you? Ah, now we get to it. And you, you've lost a friend and associate, I believe. I watched as the limo crossed California and kept climbing Knob Hill. I have a very good friend and associate, one who played an important role in bringing down Squid Boy. I couldn't help but wonder if the um, association killed him to even the score. No, I already told you that we have no interest in avenging Squid Boy. Had you been a business competitor, it would have been a different story. But as it was, you were just a civilian who got in over his head? Wong smiled primly. I'm not sure I would have used the word civilian, but let's go with that. There is also the matter of the body being discovered on our property. If we wanted to eliminate your friend, you can be sure that it would have never been found. Having the police set up a crime scene and interfere with our business runs completely counter to what I told you about avoiding unwanted attention. You may or may not be pleased to hear a certain police lieutenant told me the same thing. I only care what the police think when they investigate Kong Cheng Chai's killing. Then you heard how she was found. We have our sources. And who she was found with? Yes, in the room of a girl who worked at the massage parlor. This is the purpose of our meeting. I need you to tell me everything you know about the investigation. Uncle Yuen, who is sitting in the seat behind you, is here to ensure your cooperation. I glanced back to take in a fierce-looking individual with a hammerhead shark tattoo swimming up his neck. He looked anything but avuncular. He smiled to reveal teeth that had been filed to points and brought the tip of a gleaming knife an inch from my eye. I flinched and scooted forward in the seat. The thug to my right shot a restraining arm across my chest. I wasn't going anywhere. Any belief I had that Wohop To had been involved in Chris's murder had faded when I found Mrs. Kongsheng Chai's and Tu Yin's bodies. It had disappeared completely with Angelina's kidnapping. I didn't have a problem sharing information with Wong, to a point. I get it, I mumbled. Excuse me? I understand, I said more clearly. Good. Now spill. That won't take long. The police don't have a clue. That sounds too pat. They must have discovered something. They, or we, to be more accurate, have. But the discoveries have only added to the list of crimes. They haven't explained them. I launched into an abbreviated summary of the investigation to date, starting with our realization that Angelina was Chris's last client. I told Wong about finding her sister's body, the fact that the sister had been killed by the same weapon as Chris, and the possibility that Kong Cheng Chai and Tu Yin had been killed by the same gun. And the torture. I also told him about the torture. I didn't mention any of my encounters with Herr Doctor and his sidekick, the link to the beats, and the lost Kerouac manuscript, and I certainly didn't mention my conversations with Kim 
and the cleaning team at Golden Fingers. I finished with Angelina's apparent kidnapping by the same people who had killed Kongsheng Chai and Tu Yin. Providing Wang with the details about the torture and Angelina's kidnapping sent my pulse into overdrive again. The Tong leader was silent for a long moment. He leaned back in his seat and patted the sides of his lacquered hair with his palms. This is madness. I had assumed that the murder of your friend was unrelated to our business. That at most, some fool had committed the act at Golden Fingers without understanding what he was dropping himself into. But with Mrs. Kongsheng Chai and the torture of the girl, that makes it... Personal? No. Everything I do is strictly business. Intentional is the word. It makes the killer's motives intentional. His prep school mobster act was beginning to grate. Well, Wong, or whatever your name is, you can be sure that it isn't business to me. It's swell that we appear to be on the same side, but when I find out who's responsible, you can be sure that it's going to be strictly personal. I wasn't sure the guy to my right completely understood what I had said, but he picked up on the tone and again reached an arm across my chest. Wong just laughed. Yes, I believe Squid Boy was the recipient of some of your personal animus. I'm glad to hear that you are once again personally motivated to achieve an outcome that is good for both of us. But getting back to motivation... I have a question. Several, in fact. You found no reason for all of this. What do the killers hope to achieve? I don't know. I lied, but only partially. The Kerouac manuscript was the only thing I had to go on. What I particularly don't know is how Chris, Chris's client, and her sister overlap with your world. Yes, exactly. Is it true that your friend was a homosexual? Yes, I said evenly. Then he would have no reason to go to Golden Fingers that you are aware of. None at all, apart from, you know, the desire to get an actual massage like you advertise on the door. Ha ha. And how did the police know to go to this girl Tuyin's apartment? It was the same question Kittredge had asked, and I gave a variant of the same cover story. From a Golden Fingers customer, the customer apparently had an appointment with Tu Yin, but was told she was AWOL. Hmm, this is exactly what I feared. The police are harassing our customers and are going to continue to harass them until this is resolved. Unacceptable. Wong was silent again. The limo driver muscled the Hummer right onto Pacific then right again onto Jones to begin the descent down Knob Hill. Ironically, we had come within a block of Arnie Jewell's apartment and turned away, much as my story to Wong had almost, but not quite, touched on the beat connection. The atmosphere in the car was getting hot and smelly. Wong was wearing a woody cologne, but the scents coming off the other men, cigarette smoke, B.O., garlic, and a piquant spice I couldn't identify, were turning me into a mouth-breather. All right, Wong said as we crossed Sacramento. I have two things for you. The first is this. 
He pulled a card from his breast pocket and passed it over. If you need to reach me, call that number, identify yourself, and leave a number where I can call you back. Don't try to leave a message and expect it will take some time for me to respond. Can I rely on you knowing when to reach me? I turned to look back at Uncle Ewan, who sneered to reveal a sharpened incisor. When I learned something relevant about the investigation? Exactly. Here is the second thing. He passed over a note card with a name and two addresses written in a spidery hand. These are the home and work addresses of Mrs. Kong Sheng Chai's son. Her son? I looked down at the card. The name on it was Danny Thompson. The last names aren't the same. Yes, in point of fact, Mrs. Kong Sheng Chai never married. The Mrs. is a sort of honorific. She assumed to better fit the role of Mama-san. She did have a son, though. Who decided to take his father's name? No, he never knew his father. He picked Thompson because his father was white and he didn't want to be a Kang Sheng Chai, didn't want to be associated with his mother and her line of work once he finished high school. Let me guess, she started as a working girl herself, got pregnant from a customer, and raised a son on her own. That's right. It almost goes without saying that you can't be a mama-san unless you've spent the requisite number of years on your back learning the trade. I decided to withhold comment on his management training system. What's the point of giving me the son's address if he was estranged from her? They weren't entirely estranged. They still saw each other periodically, and if there was anyone Mrs. Kongsheng Chai trusted, really trusted, it would be him. I'd like to believe that she wasn't hustling any business behind my back that precipitated the incident, but if she was, the son would know. I looked down at the card again. Danny's employer was a major cloud computing company headquartered in San Francisco. He had certainly fallen far from the tree. He won't talk to you, huh? There's no point in trying. As I said, he doesn't want to be associated with his mother's line of work. And furthermore, he doesn't even want to acknowledge his Asian heritage. His eyes don't have the epicanthic fold, and he is trying to pass as a guaylo. I knew that guaylo was Cantonese slang for white person, literally white ghost, and it didn't exactly have the most positive connotation. Okay, I'll talk to him. Does he know his mother's dead? Wong shrugged. I have no idea. He said something in Chinese to the driver, who promptly wrestled the car over to the curb. We were smack dab in the middle of the tenderloin near Eddie. The tenderloin police station was just across the way. The guy next to me jumped out and reached back to tug at my sleeve. I slithered out and stood on the sidewalk. He humped back to the car and slammed the door shut. Just when I thought they were going to pull away, the window opened and Wong leaned over to look at me. Don't fuck up, he said, and the Hummer drove off. I put the cards Wong had given me in my coat pocket, took a deep breath to clear my head, 
and started walking toward my old office. Not a half a block into my journey, my phone rang. It was Gretchen. You've got a package, she said without preamble. Good, I was expecting one. There's just one problem. I can't get rid of the delivery boy. Is he waiting for a tip or something? No, he's about 80 years old and he claims he knows you. Says his name is Ray. You have been listening to The Deadbeat Scroll, a book the New York Journal of Books described as a glorious potpourri of violence, black humor, sex, and a hunt for a lost manuscript. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. <laughs>